Welcome to State Road 49, an audio program that shares extraordinary stories from everyday people. I'm your host, Aaron Freinberger, and I'd like to thank you for coming back. Recently, we've had a lot of stories being sent in to us. Please keep them coming. Contact us through facebook.com slash stateroad49. Today's story comes from Devin Galloway, pastor of River City Church, West Lafayette Campus. And here we go. I also was, I think at a young age, saw that the choices we make in life really matter because here's these kids that are not much older than me maybe and are not with their families. I know some of their stories and I know that they've made poor decisions. And so growing up, seeing other people's stories and how it's played out, made me realize, man, we have making choices, good choices, really, really matters for the outcome of my life. And I got to watch my parents just try to live out examples to these kids and give them fair treatment, show them unconditional love, show them correction. As a kid growing up, it was a good lens to be able to see sometimes someone's unfortunate story, how it can impact, hey, I don't want to go that way. So I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and I actually grew up at a place called Georgetown Republic. It's a campus, almost a compound where boys uh, are required to live in group homes. And so I grew up in a group home because my parents actually served as the cottage parents to these kids who were court ordered to be there. And so at any given time in our house, we'd have 12 to 15, you know, inner city kids that were being piped in there from Chicago, Philadelphia, New York for all kinds of different reasons, whether it's homelessness, truancy, trouble with the law. I am uh, the second oldest of four boys, had a great upbringing, and my family lived in this home with these kids that were being rehabilitated. My parents kind of took them in. I remember we had a big dinner table every night and, and they worked through the program. My older brother Josh and I, we were best friends, joined at the hip. And it was the younger two that were the annoying ones then, you know? Um, But being close also meant a lot of maybe some feuds, some fist fights, there was blood, you know, there was arguments, there was broken things. It was, you know, I remember getting into these scuffles where it was like, oh yeah, you're gonna break that? Well, let me take this. I'm gonna break it. Oh yeah, you're gonna break that? Well, watch this, I'm gonna break this. And then it was like, (laughs) just being one of four boys in a house, lots of conflict sometimes. What I appreciate about growing up from birth until, 
you know, the first 10 years of my life was, it was such a diverse environment. I mean, it was almost rare that there was anybody my same skin color that lived in our house other than my family. And so uh, just being engulfed in the diversity of the home that we had, it was normal. I never thought anything different other than that's okay. And so I'm thankful for that. Did they like consider your parents as being their parents? I'm, you know, I'm sure that some, for some of them, that's probably the case because there was boys there who probably didn't even know who their parents were. A lot of them being raised by a grandma or an, or an aunt and, um, and saw them as parental figures. And that was really their role. Their position was called cottage parents. We lived in cottage F. And so that was their role, was to help facilitate good authority in their lives and structure and discipline. In 1996, we moved from Grove City, Pennsylvania to uh, Northeast Ohio in Worcester. And there my, my dad became a staff pastor at our local church, which was a pivotal time in my life personally, where I really began to grow uh, in my faith more than I ever had. It, was, uh, it has really impacted really the rest of my life. And our family was just engulfed in ministry, the church, the youth ministry and the things that my parents did together. As kids growing up, we just always felt like we had this ideal family. It was secure, it felt safe. I remember watching my parents, you know, work together. And there was a time where we had a family member that experienced divorce. And my parents sat us down and kind of had to break the news to us that this family, these family members we knew were experiencing divorce and I remember they promised us that they would never ever do that that marriage is forever and so it gave a sense of security to us as kids growing up and you know when you're surrounded in this religious uh, environment and, and seeing you know your parents operate as leaders you do you have this sense of like everything is okay and then uh, I remember when I got in high school it did seem as though things became a little bit more unstable um, at home, you know, maybe noticing some arguments. You know, my parents were always good about kind of guarding the kids from maybe what was really going on. And to this day, I don't even know if my brothers and I know the whole story, but I remember I'd come home, you know, in the evenings from a night at church and I could tell that there was some tension or could hear some arguing. But never in our minds did we think that things were off the rails or our family was in trouble in any way. I'm a sophomore in high school at this point. And before that time, I could remember one time as a kid that my parents had voices raised and in some kind of argument. They were really good about protecting us kids from those types of conflicts that maybe they had, maybe they had them in secret. And so now, you know, I'm a teenager and I'm beginning to see more elevated conflict than I was used to ever seeing. But at the same time, I always had that memory of the time we sitting at the kitchen table and they told us, 
Divorce is never an option for our family. There was a day when I got back from school, my older brother and I, and my dad was home early, which we found to be unusual. And he was visually bothered. We did not know what it was about. He had the house phone and he walked off into the backyard and the very back of our lot was a basketball goal. He sat against the basketball goal facing the field out back. And we were just like, what is going on with dad? It was as though he was expecting a call, but there was tears in his eyes. And our only conclusion was, I think dad's dying. We've never seen him like this. I think that he must have received some kind of news that he's dying. We weren't putting like the whole story together because still in the back of our minds, we knew our parents don't divorce. As that day continued to escalate, I remember my dad, he, he brought us together, all of us boys, without sharing really any details. He did unveil to us that he and my mom were separating and filing for divorce. And you can imagine as a kid who felt like my family is secure, my family has done the right thing. I've always seen a good example. This it has been a promise It would never happen. My parents are great people, leaders in the church. This is not our story. But when that narrative became our reality, it didn't feel real at all. The level of brokenness I think that my brothers and I began to experience was deeper than we probably imagined. For me, I think that as I began to embrace its reality, I was able to suppress it. And then the next few years of my life, if you would have asked me, has this brokenness in your family affected you in any way? I probably would have cut you short by saying no because I didn't think it had affected me. I thought I was fine. They can do whatever they want, but what it did was it launched me into really rebellion. I began to struggle in school. I mean, when your grade point average starts with a point, there's something wrong when prior to that you never had issues in school. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about authority. I was really going into some dark places. Had no consciousness that it was related to the brokenness my family was experiencing. Do you feel like this happened to all your siblings? All in their own different ways. My youngest brother was really, really young at the time. I think he may have been four or five years old. Um, so for the younger two, it was, became maybe more normal that their parents weren't together. But for my older brother and I, who were, I think, 14 and 16, or 15 and 17 at the time, it was all we knew.
I think that the, the sting of divorce affects older children in the immediate. And I think that the effects of divorce manifest itself in, your, in the younger children over time. But no one can escape it. So after this news of divorce, you know, it, it did begin to affect my relationship, mostly with my father. I remember when you're figuring out like whose time is it at the house and whose time is it not in the days in which it was my, my father's day. Uh, it was more of a, he's coming in the front door and I'm going out the back door. I just did not know how to, to deal with it. I didn't want to see him. And um, for my mom, she began to really work a lot more. She was the one who was really providing for the family, providing for the, us brothers and feeding us and keeping the roof over our heads. She really be, had to become the stable one, the, 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 the strong one. She did not talk about it. She did not want us to know details. And she would tell us this, I want to protect your father in all of this. I want to protect me. And so all along, she and, and him were very guarded in how much they did share with us. I think they did not want the sting of it to affect us too greatly. The response from the church community was a mixed bag. It forced people to choose a side. Am I with the mom or am I with the dad? I think in those situations, it is hard to decide what to do. Obviously, it meant that my father was no longer on staff at the church and no longer attended the church. My mom made the decision that in the face of even those that were maybe siding more with my father and were a part of the church community, she decided to stay so that us boys could have some kind of normalcy in our lives. Because the church community was so important to us before this event, she found it important enough that she could stand so that we could still have a normal experience. I think that when somebody around the age that I was, that high school age, when they experience brokenness in the home, that path is really one of two ways when it comes to their faith. It is either going to drive them far away from faith, especially since their parents were believers and, and, and filled with faith and even leaders in the faith community. It could drive them away from it, or it could drive them deeper. For me, it drove me deeper into my faith. Luckily, because I had already had a faith in Jesus, that when I was experiencing this brokenness, I knew where to run to. And I knew that when all else seemed uncertain, the most certain thing in my life was my faith. I can't say with all certainty, the path I chose is the exact path my brothers chose. But what I can say with certainty is the path I chose was absolutely the best path I could have. My grades did suffer greatly 
you know, it, it's always bad. You are even considering dropping out to get your GED. But one thing I did cling to in school was uh, I was on our varsity golf team. What golf did for me was it gave me an escape, a reason to be away from home. You know, we would have golf practice after school and I would be at the golf course knowing that there's trouble at home and I would be there until late at night. I'm talking like so late at night that I'm pulling up my station wagon to the practice green to turn the headlights on so I can continue to chip and putt because I got to be alone. I got to be away. And it was a reason, a good reason. Not that I'm like skipping out, but like, oh, where are you at? Oh, I'm, I'm still at practice. And what I loved about golf was it is an individual sport. So whether or not I was good or bad at it was not because some kid on my team struck out like in baseball or because someone fumbled the ball like in football. In golf, I was in control. I was gonna be the best because I got to choose. I began to excel in golf and it was my out from being at home. I don't have to rely on anybody. If I'm gonna be good at golf, there's no lies. You either are or you're not. You're not hidden on a championship team and, and ride the bench. In this sport, you either can or you can't. And that's what I appreciated about it. You know, I do think that it gives me a platform to share this story, considering 50% or more of people do come from a broken home situation. It gives me some perspective in helping people in their conflicts or helping people in understanding family and even helping young people understanding what they can do in the face of brokenness because it's something that they didn't choose. Someone else chose it for them. And that's really the unfortunate thing for a teenager or a child of any age is brokenness in the home had nothing to do with them, but they can't help but think it was. What is imperative for them to know is that in no way, shape, or form was somebody else's decision to separate ever their fault. If I had to choose a hero in this story, um, it would have to be the person who chose to put other people before themselves. You know, they had to face a lot of criticism through all of this. They really were the ones who had to start over. I mean, you go from a whole family to now it's broken, and here's these four boys all in school, all you want the best for. And somehow you've got to provide and protect them so that hopefully, hopefully this decision doesn't haunt them the rest of their lives. How do you pull that off? So I think the hero of this story is really my mom who put everyone else before herself in this and showed so much grace. And even in the midst of it, she tried to protect those that she probably could have said something about, whether it was her husband, 
or whether it was people in the church, she totally continued to choose grace and mercy when no, no one would want to. Or even when the world would say, no, in this moment, you would probably be just in saying what you could say. But she chose to just protect her children above all things. For many years, my relationship with my father was very distant, um, even estranged, I would say. Um, but there was this moment with me right before I got married. There's something about being married that really multiplies internal things. And so as I was preparing to, to get married myself, some emotions and feelings that I had, hurt, um, resentment, began to manifest in a way that I knew I had to deal with it. And I had a close friend who acknowledged this, and I had to take a moment to really, really forgive, like really forgive. And that moment with me, I think, was a turning point where I could see um, my dad maybe through a new lens. And, um, and I would say that, you know, I, I've got a great relationship with my dad. I can call him and, and we can talk. And, uh, and I, I truly don't have any ill feelings towards him or my mother whatsoever. And, um, but it was something that I personally had to choose to do. Because that's the thing about forgiveness. It is not a feeling. Like when you really need to forgive somebody, you won't feel like it. Forgiveness absolutely is a choice. I was just driven to a point where I had to make that choice. Had I not, I would have brought resentment, unforgiveness into my marriage and it would have caused turbulence there as well. It would have manifest in that way. living with three brothers. Was there any conflict that you remember specifically? Oh my goodness, I, I, I like to tell this story. Um, there was a night where my parents, you know, they were in ministry, so they were off doing something at the church and you know, they were like, all right, our boys are at the age where we can leave them at home by themselves. And I remember I was in middle school, so I was probably seventh grade, my older brother eighth grade, then the two were a little younger than that. And I had this school project. It was a two liter bottle of water. It had this device in it where if you squeeze the bottle, it would raise up and down. Well, uh, sometimes it gets stuck on the bottom, but if you gave it a nice pop with, with your hands, and you smacked it from each side, it would fix itself. Well, when I, when I left the room, my brothers loosened the cap and just barely put it on there and they set it on the kitchen counter. And when I came back in the room, they said, oh, hey, your project, it's messing up again. How did you fix that again? I said, oh, you just got to smack it on both sides. And I hit it with my hands. And the, obviously the cap came off. Water gushes out of this bottle. I remember it clipped me in the forehead. My, my hair was flipped up, <laughs> left this giant water spot on the roof. And granted, my parents aren't there. And I'm like, I'm immediately, I know my dad's going to kill me. My mom's gonna be so upset. There's gonna be a water stain on the ceiling in her kitchen. And I was so mad. And when I got mad, I usually would throw things. 
So I grab the closest thing to me and I throw it at my brother. It happened to be a bottle of barbecue sauce. <laughs> and it was like a moment that starts happening in slow motion. I'm about ready to release this bottle out of my hand and I'm thinking, what am I doing? It was like I had this like come to moment. It was too late. The bottle releases out of my hand. I'd watched it flip in slow motion and it hits the wall in the kitchen. My mom's wallpaper beautifully arranged. You know, this is in the 90s. And the, the <laughs> barbecue sauce explodes all over the wall and there was dead silence in the room. All my brothers, we just looked at each other and we're like, hurry, clean it up. <laughs> Pretty good relationship though with your brother overall. Great relationships with my brothers. Um, some of my best friends growing up for sure. Once again, that was Pastor Devin Galloway, who we'd like to thank for sharing his story. And we'd like to thank you for listening. For more information on Devin or River City Church, scroll down on the show notes. I'm Aaron Freinberger, and this is State Road 49. Freinberger, Matt Willingham, and Garrett Schultz. It is executive produced by the Heartland Christian Center. Visit their website at hcc3d.com. That is hcc3d.com. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Garrett Schultz. Music by Thomas Kilobas. For more information about the program, visit us at facebook.com slash stateroad49. This program was produced in Valparaiso, Indiana.